here, Shanghai fans, Shanghai trash, real Shanghai goods, and fake Lao eyes. This episode of Shanghai Comedy Color is brought to you by Shanghai Spring. Yes, the temperatures have gone up again. The sun, like a Star Wars episode, has come back after what feels like many years of absence from a distant galaxy. And I'm sure your eyes have started catching glimpses of the previously unknown body parts that spring dress codes are not unveiling for your pleasure. Or are they? Soon enough, we'll writhe in visual agony as we won't be able to avert our eyes from middle-aged pot-bellied Chinese men rolling their tank tops up and revealing paunches spilling over fake Louis Vuitton belts. Genetically modified pollen has already started to turn everyone's noses in Chinese-scale snot factories. The heat will soon turn everything into smelly, sweaty, repugnant entities. Flowers will turn, turn into mold. The subway to sub-zero temperatures and mosquitoes into blood-sucking monsters out of a Japanese horror movie. Welcome to the 38th episode of Shanghai Comedy Corner, the only podcast with filtered air conditioner. I'm talking to you from Shihui District, offering refreshing news and bringing you people of note via Shanghai Comedy Corner. This week, American stand-up comedian William Childress and I will bring you Shanghainese heat waves of anecdotes. It's random, it's fun, and it's as unexpected as, well, spring, really. There's no spring in Shanghai. It goes from winter to summer. You can find all links and more on our website, shanghaicomedycorner.com. Please follow us on our official WeChat account, SHCC Podcast. Hello, William. Hey, Julian. How are you? I'm great. Well, first of all, a huge thank you for accepting to do this podcast kind of last minute. Uh, while you're in Shanghai, because you don't live here anymore. No, no, I'm currently uh, visiting. I moved away from Shanghai in 2013 to Myanmar or Burma, and uh, I'm back for a week visiting some friends and doing some comedy shows. So you're more than just that, because I remember you from uh, Kung Fu Comedy a while ago when you were doing sets over there, mm -hmm. and I absolutely loved it, and then... You just disappeared. <laughs> Where is William? Well, there, yeah, there's there's stories behind that. But yeah, I, I was um, a quite frequent contributor with Kung Fu Comedy and, and um, enjoyed going up on stage for them uh, quite often and um, really had a blast with those guys. And then I just, you know, as it does, work took me somewhere else and I kind of had to scrap and start a new comedy scene on my own there. So it's it's been quite a journey. Yeah, mm -hmm. but let's talk about that. Let's talk about the journey sure. that you took. Uh, you got to Myanmar, mm -hmm. probably didn't know anyone there, or no. very little anyway. And then, then now there is stand up young gone, right? That's right. Yeah, um, I guess the first thing I did was what a lot of comedians would would do, and that's go to the nearest bar and just find a bar, find my people, see where I fit in. And um, so I did that. I went to a a place in uh, Yangon or Rangoon called uh, 50th Street Bar, which is the oldest expat bar there. It's like 18 years old. Wow. Which if you go to Myanmar, anything that's older than three or four years, you, it might as well be ancient. It's been <laughs> such a such a tumultuous time for the country. Um, so I found that bar, made a lot of friends through there. You know, the friendship network expanded through there and through work and social things. Eventually I ran into a few people that do stand-up and a lot of people that wanted to see it. And we were able to start building monthly uh, comedy nights featuring international headliners in Myanmar. And so from that, doing that, I got a lot of, um, I think, guidance and help from, from Turner 
uh, and Andy from Kung Fu Comedy, like, how do you start bringing in people? Who do you know? Mm. So it's it's through them and through a network of Southeast Asian promoters, we've been able to bring some pretty good people through. Right. So, so, so how do you get up on stage in a country like Myanmar? Mm. That's I think that's <laughs> my first question here. No, that's a, that's a great place to start. The first thing I did when I got there was get really sad when I realized how few people were there uh, expat-wise and 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 try to look at the opportunities available for me. I found an open mic in the very traditional sense of the word, meaning anybody can go up with any type of art form. Mm. I found uh, one of those at a local art gallery in downtown Yangon and did a set of stand-up uh, barefoot in a sweaty upstairs <laughs> art gallery between an Eagles cover band and a slam poet. Wow. So, And the Eagles cover band was not Filipino. They can't afford them yet in Myanmar. It was just Myanmar Local. Eagles cover. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and then now you're bringing lots of people in. Mm -hmm. Can you give us uh, some examples of past uh, comedians? Sure. Um, the Probably the biggest person we've had so far is Paul Ogata. Yeah. And uh, he's an, a mainstay on the Asian comedy circuit and a really amazing, super nice guy. Um, I brought him in uh, several months ago. That was like our first international headliner that we brought in. There was a, a, a New Zealand guy named uh, Andre King who's quite big in Australia, New Zealand, UK, uh, also Hong Kong. He does the, the Hong Kong Sevens banquets. He's there sort of compare in their, in their entertainment. So he's really well-known. He came and did an independent um, headliner show. Okay. And so from there, I was able to kind of get him to tell some other comics, hey, there's yeah. something here. That's so, cool. yeah. Well, actually, uh, Paul Ogata was on the podcast right after he came back from Myanmar. <laughs> and uh, poor guy was uh, yeah. dying there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we had, a, we had a lot of things go wrong there with him. Um, actually, not a lot. Not a lot. I mean, I guess if you look at everything through the lens of we're doing this in a third world country, but the uh, spotlight on the stage uh, upstairs, the bar burnt out. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we had to get one of those mood lighting lamps. It was like, we can only turn on some of the uh, LEDs on it. So it had this eerie green glow to his whole set. Like, <laughs> no, we didn't have a stand for it. It's just sitting on the ground, like tilted upwards at him, kind of rolling back and forth with audience laughter. So it was, I could see the look on his face. Paul was very kind, but I knew this yes. would be a something he'd remember. Yeah, he's an awesome, awesome person. Yeah, and uh, he he must have caught something on the way back uh, because I saw him in Hong Kong. I was in Hong Kong at the time, and he he was like he didn't even finish a set because he was suffering from yeah. let's say uh, bowel movement problems. And then, uh, but he was very lucky to have other people uh, on hand at this point. It's, it's apparently not a not a place for people with weak constitutions. We had uh, <laughs> we had Turner Sparks and Drew Freilich uh, come in several months ago, and uh, along with um, Australian comedian Roe Campbell, and we all went out to eat a couple times together. Roe and I were fine. Uh, Turner and Drew were sick as dogs. So Drew was extremely ill the the night of his set. Oh no! And at one point in the set, delivers a line it doesn't hit you know drew's comedy is so is so high energy that for him to be pushing this high energy through sickness you could tell the joke doesn't hit he grabs his stomach and says oh no i think yeah i, th I think something happened you know oh, wow and so turner and i were sitting in the back kind of like oh, i hope he did he have an accident on stage this would be the greatest story ever and, and no he just was about to he, <laughs> he ran off stage pretty quickly wow um so so what's the uh 
I mean, what's the expat community uh, that comes to the show? Uh, and also, uh, my next question, also a link to that, is uh, do locals come to the show? We get locals at the shows. Mm. We don't get a lot of locals at the shows. Stand-up comedy does exist in Myanmar uh, entertainment uh, cultural history. Okay. There is a form of it. It's not dissimilar to Thai stand-up comedy. But getting back to your question, yeah, we do get uh, we do get maybe 10-15% locals is a generous estimate. Um, our crowds are tend to be about 80 to 90 people, which That's is cool. which is not bad. And again, we're just monthly shows and we're on Tuesdays, not a lot of competition now. We get um, lots of uh, Brits and Australians. They make up I think the majority of the of the expats there and then we get it's such a unique community with embassies and NGOs. We've had a reserve table for the for the uh, Egyptian embassy at one point, so we we get some unusual, um, uh, unique visitors to our shows. I guess the situation is <coughs> is is unique to this place because although you don't have many people, and although it's still a developing country, uh, or maybe not even there, um, you get specific crowds that you can really work up work up you know and and work on I, I would should say and then expand later on yeah absolutely we're getting we, you know we want to target some of the bigger companies that are moving in there so that they bring more of their employees out maybe we can do an event for them or something but just thinking purely to the shows yes we get um you know when the egyptian embassy has a reserved table you're already thinking about jokes for that before the show maybe they're not good but you know um and then also the expat crowd there is not so big that we don't we get a lot of repeat customers so uh, i'm hosting most of the shows so you kind of have to vary it but they also like it if you you know if i I know half the people in the crowd they like it if you talk about them a little bit even though i I try to not make it too super local as far as so so what do you joke about i mean it's like what can you joke about when you do stand up in myanmar well it's not you can joke about many things. Um, I think the venue might rather we didn't joke about the government too extensively, but still certain things, certain rules that come down on a minor level we can. Um, one big issue there in terms of terms of uh, what we can speak about is um, there's a large contingent of very nationalist Buddhist monks in Myanmar. Oh. And so anybody who is seen as possibly offending Buddhists or misusing the Buddha's name. Now, this is nothing I'd want to necessarily do in any material. You know, I don't have anything, I don't have anything um, dissing Buddha. But there was a, an expat from New Zealand who was put in jail for two years hard labor for advertising a drink night with a poster with the Buddha wearing headphones on it. So as soon as that happened, wow. any comedian that comes in, we say, look, just don't talk about Buddha. Doesn't care. Yeah. I don't care what it is, just don't talk about it. And I hate having to do that, but at the same time, I mean, what's, yeah. am I really shutting off a font of creativity if if you're basing the joke on just kind of going after Buddha. So now you're back in Shanghai. How how does it feel like? Uh, how long have you been out of Shanghai? So two years, right? Two years mm-hmm. in Myanmar. But have you been back since? No, I haven't been back since. So no. I get I, and you stayed quite a while in Shanghai, didn't you? Yeah, I was here. I was here almost three years. I was here summer of 2010, and then returned after my last year of grad school um, to work for the same company that I interned with, and so I was here. Um, on and off for three years, so it was. It's it's the first time I've been back. Um, it's the coldest place I've been in two years. Wow. You know, Myanmar is quite hot and and quite wet. A lot of the it's either absolutely dry or or it's monsoon season. 
and I've traveled to a lot of tropical destinations, and then I come here and step out of Pudong Airport, and it's freezing to me. <laughs> and I did—I was not at all prepared. I've been in Thailand for a week. I have, you know, very warm weather clothes. I'm just having to wear, you know, two shirts, three shirts at a time because I didn't bring a jacket. So, <laughs> so welcome back to Shanghai. Yeah, uh, I urge people who are listening to this podcast to go see you. Uh, tomorrow Saturday mm -hmm. at uh, the Camel. Yes, and that's where you will catch a mm -hmm. glimpse of uh, a more uh, of William and his exceptional humor. Uh, so, what's the future of stand-up for you in Asia? How do you uh, how do you see things across? I mean, in Myanmar and across mm -hmm. Asia. Um, that's a really good question because I think you look at the development you look at it on two two phases one is the development of I, i'll answer this very seriously <laughs> one is the development of the of the actual markets how is the bangkok market growing um how is the singapore market growing um and how those scenes are growing with themselves and then also how more events happen like the uh, hong kong international comedy festival and comedy competition like the uh, magners festival that happened um, in Singapore and then also had events in the Philippines and in Hong Kong. So you look at some of these um, these uh, events that bring in people from multiple scenes and you see, are they growing? And I think exponentially in Comedy Central Asia has a foothold now in Singapore. Mm. That's going to start affecting the scene a little bit, I think. And um, um, so I, I think we're going to see some people that we've known as, as big names in Asia, Southeast Asia, maybe get, you know, some more TV exposure and things like that. Do you think that uh, the, I know Asia is huge, mm -hmm. but do you, but still the, the world of stand-up comedy is still relatively uh, small compared to, to the population. Of course. And, uh, but do you, th do you think that we need some sort of like a network or community uh, support each other more? Well, well, there's, there's, there is support on several levels. There's, um, promoters who support each other in bringing through acts so one person doesn't have to bear the brunt of the travel costs for one comedian we can all go in and share and get a comic for several dates that all work for us uh, certainly i'm a part of that we're difficult to get to from a lot of places in myanmar so if a, if a comic is in bangkok kl singapore they're easy for us to bring in so we try to work with people from there and then you have to navigate the politics within the individual cities which occurs you know everywhere um so maybe if you take a guy from this promoter this promoter won't like it you have to deal with things like that um but i think yeah i think another way people can help each other is is promoting not just the international headliners who come in but vouching for the local acts they've seen that have done very well uh and then trying to get them some more stage time around the country because once you once you step out of your home city and especially your home country And, and do stand-up, you realize a lot of the material, certain changes you might have to make or certain um, certain ways that certain towns have their styles of humor for expats. It really will help your, your growth as a comic, I think, mm. to get out of your comfort zone in terms of region. Be more universal. Exactly. Well, not, not universal in a negative sense or anything like that, yeah. but just, okay, so we all, everybody in Shanghai has tons of jokes about Yong Kang Lu and Yong Fulu and other blues and <laughs> and jokes about the family mart and, and and I mean these are things that are universal everybody does them and you realize when you go somewhere else well they have their own version of that their local comics probably have the edge on that talk about maybe your experiences when you get in the city 
maybe there's some overlap and you can bring a new a new um a new perspective on it but also just get rid of some of the super local references which are fantastic when you're in that town but it can it can build your your uh your set you know your comedy repertoire to to find more jokes that do appeal to audiences everywhere yeah universality so so what advice would you give to any uh, aspiring stand-up comedian who lives in Asia and starting to see everything, you know, lots of things happening around, especially mm -hmm. in Shanghai, but also a lot of other places that you mentioned, Hong Kong, Singapore, and now Rangoon and other places. What was the, I think it's a great time mm -hmm. and opportunity. I think it's a fantastic time, a really good opportunity. Anybody who's coming up in it, there's, you know, there's more well-versed people than I to get, um, advice from but if I were to, to give any advice it'd be to never stop writing always write and not just write but rewrite and rewrite and revise and also to listen to the other comics mm. um, some people take the opposite approach of trying to tune out everybody else's take on things and I'm not questioning the, the validity <laughs> I'm not questioning the validity of that approach but I do think if you if you kind of listen to other people's approach on things you can learn from that You know, without copying from that. And also, just because one guy has a take on uh, a certain topic doesn't mean you can't have one too, but it's nice to know what that is. So, especially at an open mic, if you're not you're not going up and telling the exact same premise of whatever local news story just happened, you know, you can have a different take on it. So, uh, Just to, as an example and to show uh, our audience how much the scene has grown, mm -hmm. I'd like to take everyone back to 2011 mm -hmm. when you made basically your first appearance right. uh, at, a, oh, at an open mic in mm -hmm. Shanghai trying to do a set. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Because it's, I think it's history. And, <laughs> and then people should know about the street, the place you you, you were. Sure. Yeah, well, <clears throat> so I I knew I wanted to do uh, comedy for a long time. I didn't do it before I came to Shanghai. Oh, right. I had taken improv classes. I'd always loved it. I tried out for People's Republic of Comedy here, and they were a pretty well-oiled machine at the time, and I was certainly very rough. I just tanked. They said, but you had some funny things. We have a comedy open mic. A lot of us do. Why don't you come out to it? I came out to several of them. There, there was this little music bar. I don't know if it's still there. Unfortunately, it's gone. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I think. Yeah. Well, it's um, BD's. BD's. BD's on Dagulu, right beside the park. And I had a ton of friends who were musicians, so I knew it from there. Uh, great live music. And then we did uh, open mics there. And it was this really long, long, deep red room, which is not the best layout for comedy because you can have comedy going on in the back of the room and then people at the bar not paying any attention, yep. making noise. And, and also if you have to go to the bathroom. You have to walk by the stage. <laughs> you go to the bathroom, you have to walk around the stage. And there's a small uh, wooden wooden uh, divider, but, you know, it doesn't really help. <laughs> <coughs> so we, there were open mics there. I went to several to see what the vibe was like. And then one day I said, this is the day I'm going to do stand-up. This is the day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it. And I contacted uh, Kung Fu Comedy then. And I show up on a Wednesday, I think, to, to BD's, nice and early. And I get there, and it's just Andy. And it's literally just Andy. It's 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 the bar staff and him. And he tells me, he says, you know, man, I know you wanted to go up, but I don't think we're going to have a crowd now. Because at the time, you know, it was so yeah. new, it was either not a crowd at all or a pretty good crowd. And so I figured, oh, no, I've been preparing for this. You know, I'm not going to be able to do it. 
And just then, maybe like a dozen of my of my close friends show up who I'd told I wanted to do it. Suddenly, we had the crowd to do it. And it was just Andy presenting me as my first open mic. It had to have been the worst show, but it was really important for me to get up there the first time. To break it. Yeah. Right. And because I, I was ready to go that day. It was important for me to go on that day, and it, it managed to happen. So that was, that was huge for me. Wow. Congratulations. And then uh, after that, uh, Joe Schaefer, who was also on the podcast, mm -hmm. uh, helped you, uh, push you, let's right. say, mm -hmm. uh, to, 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 you know, just to be there, basically, yeah. and to appear in different in different places. Yeah, Joe Joe was really big for me. Um, I mean, I looked up to him so much from his improv and comedy, and all those guys, too. Um, you know, um, Morton Faustball was doing it at the time, and uh, I think um, Matt Schoenfeld was doing a little bit of stand-up, mostly improv, but there, were, there was a big crew of guys, Audrey Murray, um, And, uh, so I was doing the open mics and I was getting a little bit better. I was chipping away at things and getting a lot of guidance from those guys, but they weren't ready to put me on a show. They had an open spot for, you know, a, a paid show sometime in September. And Joe really pushed for me to, to be able to get a spot on the show. And that was my first time ever doing a, a, you know, a paid comedy show for people that paid to come and see me. And so that was Yeah, that was that was incredible for me. That was massive for me. I still have the video, and it's cringeworthy to watch now. <laughs> but at the time, it was so important in reacting to a live crowd and the energy that's there for a paying crowd versus an open mic crowd. It was, it was great. It was really fantastic. It's one of those things that I'll always remember about stand up and also about Shanghai. Mm. I think that's when I first saw you. I mean, I don't I don't know if it was the first time uh, you appeared there, but mm -hmm. that's that's when I got to know yeah. your humor and and you told a lot of jokes about. Living in Mongolia, <laughs> yeah, that was um, quite an experience, right? Right. No, I uh, I had the opportunity to work in Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, for an architecture firm, and and um, they I never ended up taking that that position with them, but it it seemed like a real possibility. It seemed like in the next month or two I could be moving there, and everything I was looking up about the city was horrifying. Um, you know, even my friends said, oh, yeah, you know, you'll, you'll probably get stabbed once or twice. You know, you'll get uh, you, you. And my whole thing was I was so used to the cushy life in Shanghai. I'm like, well, there's no there's no that's Ulaanbaatar magazine. You know what I mean? There's no Ulaanbaatarist. There's none of these things that are going on there. And and I looked at the at the um, I looked at the weather forecast and it, it said minus 24 degrees Celsius and smoky. And I didn't even know that could be a possible thing. I don't want to imagine a world where it's that cold and it's, it's smoky. How is it smoky if it's that cold? I didn't get it. I just imagined a, a dusty town with, you know, yurts on fire and, and horse farts floating around. And it just seemed terrible. Um, and I didn't take the position, but... Uh, the possibility of it. Right. But I sort of ended up in the Southeast Asian equivalent, I think. The same company. Mm. Um, who... who uh, is involved in a lot of emerging markets so yeah. right so let's talk uh, quickly about what's going on right mm -hmm. now in shanghai so obviously if you want to see stand up i urge you to rush to all these places in shanghai there's kung fu comedy at the camel bar uh where you'll be uh tomorrow there's uh Masse also shanghai comedy club that hosts a ton of stand-up comedy uh check out their their website and their wechat If you like improv, uh, Zmack Improv Comedy is having his uh, monthly show at also Shanghai Comedy Club this Saturday, tomorrow. 
and uh, it's, got, it's called Epic Comedy, where they deconstruct uh, a whole story uh, on just one word. And if you feel like you have an improv bug and you want to try it out, there's a workshop the following day. To know more about it, go to smack.net. Uh, People's Republic of Comedy, still going on, very strong every week. Also at Massé every Thursday. Uh, check out their website. Uh, if you feel more like a play and you want to see a whole story, East West Theatre is putting up its first spring play called Five Women Wearing the Same Dress. It's written by Alan Bell, who's the guy uh, who wrote the show Six Feet Under, but also I think he wrote part of, uh, I mean, he worked on American Beauty. Uh, and um, it's a comedy, and it's at Strictly Designers United, uh, the end of Fushing Lu, uh, when you reach the Bund. Uh, for those who are more uh, adventurous, there's a show in which you might end up taking part. It's called Fight Club. It's uh, brought to you by Urban Aphrodite at the very beginning of May. I don't know more about it. I think they're they're uh, working on the mystery and they're selling that. So check it out. Go to urbanaphrodite.nl to know more. Uh, obviously. If you're in, if you're ever in Myanmar, uh, I, I go to Stand Up Yangon. So where to mm -hmm. find you in, in, in there? How to? Sure, we have a, a Stand Up Yangon Facebook group that's um, very nascent. It's about to go active. Is Facebook allowed in Myanmar? Yeah, there's actually yeah, everything's allowed there. No man, censorship wise, some of the news stories aren't, but everything else is. Very wow. slow, very slow, very slow internet. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, and I like to talk also about May the fifth in Bangkok. Because you are bringing uh, Ari Sharif, <coughs> sorry, Ari Shafir. Ari Shafir, yeah, Ari uh, Shafir in Bangkok. Can you tell us more about this guy and, and the event? Sure, yeah, Ari Shafir is um, a up-and-coming comic in the U.S. I say up-and-coming, but that just means he's been doing it for, for you know, 15, 20 years now and is finally getting his, his due credit. He's the host of Comedy Central's storytelling comedy show, This Is Not Happening. He's had two comedy specials uh, come out through Comedy Central this year. Um, that is passive aggressive and paid regular. He's a fantastic comic. He's very, uh, you know, he's very into mushrooms and 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 these and that has that plays into why he's in um, Thailand. He's he's so curious about the full moon party mm -hmm. uh, where people take mushroom milkshakes on a beach with thirty thousand partiers and have this experience. So he's going there on his own to do that. I got in touch with him, and he's going to be coming through Bangkok on his way back. So for one night only. In Bangkok, we have Ari Shafir at the Comedy Club Bangkok, and that's on Sukhumwit 33 Alley 1 above the Royal Oak Tavern. You wow. can go to um, ComedyClubBangkok.com for tickets on that. And he's, he's, he's raunchy, he's hilarious. It's not for the easily offended. But he's a fantastic guy. He's come through Shanghai and, and Asia before, but this is his one and only stop in Asia this part of the year. So. Great. Well, as you can see, lots of things happening all across Asia, thanks to people like you. Like a big thank you ah, for thanks. the community. That's amazing to be able to talk to you, making history. Well, in, thank in the Asia. community. There's no, there's no anybody yes. else without the community. Yeah, so. exactly. Well, uh, I wish you all the best uh, tomorrow at uh, the, cam the Camel Bar, mm -hmm. and we hope to see you many, many more times in Shanghai, and uh, and we'll follow you very closely you. Uh, because uh, let's travel <laughs> and let's meet all these fantastic people making mm -hmm. Asia a funnier place. Yeah, I'm on um, Twitter at Hey It's Chili H E Y I T S C H I L I. Okay, that's going to be a lot of 
a lot of uh, travel anecdotes and um, me and more strange news stories, Chinese strange news stories. So man, you have to have a WeChat group for your uh, official WeChat account for yeah. for stand up yin That's yeah. the next step. <laughs> yeah, WeChat is not. You know, we're able to use. We're able to use Facebook. We don't need the... <laughs> you know, WeChat's nice, but it's like if you have to use it, you can use WeChat. We can... Yeah, that we should do that. I shouldn't I shouldn't just WeChat because they might disable it and then I'll have nothing here. But yeah. All right. Thank you very much. And uh, Thanks, good John. luck. Thank you very much. Bye.